Good evening and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Happy New Year, first of all. Uh, if you are listening, uh, it is at least January 1st of 2020, so a very exciting time uh, to be here. Uh, we will be talking about New Year's resolutions a little bit later, uh, but we have a lot to talk about, and we have a special guest star on this episode, and it is not our usual guest star. Uh, there are two paths to guest starring on this show. One of them is being a Patreon producer, uh, which we strongly recommend. The other one is dating one of the hosts, which we strongly don't recommend. Uh, and uh, this week we are joined by the lovely Hayes. Hayes, say hello to the people at home. Hello to the people. So this is really at just home. to prove that Illegal does in fact have some sort of charm. I don't know if it proves that. Well, this episode may be the proof of that or the disproof of that. Uh, it really depends on how Hayes does. No pressure. So uh, so uh, this week, uh, we have a couple of things we're going to be talking about. We're also joined by uh, Tactic and Nerd Bomber, as always. Say hello to the folks. Hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, so yeah, uh, we have a couple of things to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking about a couple of, of high-profile movies that came out around the holidays. The first being kind of horrifying, uh, which is Cats. And uh, of course, we're going to be talking about Rise of Skywalker in, I guess, what can be kind of billed as a very spoilery section of the show, because at this point, uh, everyone who's here has seen it. And a little bit of The Mandalorian, too. So beware, after Cats, there will be tons and tons of spoilers, because we have tons and tons of opinions. And we may be spoiling Cats, too. I don't know if there's even anything to be spoiled about Cats. I should say, none of us have seen Cats yet. So. Only just really bad Cats reviews. Yeah, which we'll be going through. So yeah, we, we can just jump right into that. So if you don't know, Cats uh, came out, I think a little bit before Christmas, directed by Tom Hooper. That's the Les Miserables guy. And we talked about the trailer probably back when it came out and over the summer and how horrified we were. And uh, it turns out that was a pretty accurate representation of the movie. People are, I'm going to, I'm going to read some blurbs from, from Rotten Tomatoes, but I guess we can start by just, uh, I'll go around, around the room here. Do you guys have interest in seeing it at this point? I didn't have any interest in seeing Cats, but now I kind of want to because it sounds so bad and horrifying that now I need to kind of see what it's all about. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of watching train wrecks occur real time. So who knows? Maybe this was some sort of a gimmick for them to get people to say, wow, I want to see this horrifying masterpiece. I've got to admit I'm in the same boat. I had no interest, even though I am very interested in musicals, of seeing this version of Cats. And yet after all of these very funny reviews of extremely horrified individuals. I've got to say, I'm extremely interested in seeing this movie at this point. Here's what I'm really hoping for, is that they released the unpatched version to the public. Yeah, so you're, you're touching on uh, uh, one of the pieces of news that has surrounded this movie in its release is that I want to say it was about a week or so after it came out. They essentially released the movie version of a patch because in its uh, initial release form, it wasn't done. Um, and you can actually look up and see some of the screenshots from the undone parts where people who are supposed to have cat paws actually just have regular hands. I think there's a couple of faces that aren't quite done too. Uh, so just not a great look, first of all, uh, putting out the movie before it's done, essentially. But the kicker is that even when it's done, 
it's still completely horrifying. <laughs> so, well, the choice that I thought was kind of weird. I was reading this article with the director, and he was trying to explain why they went with CGI for the majority of the cast actors. And he was saying that if they wanted to do something that was just all costume based, that they would end up using masks, and then that would hide the actors' facial expressions, which obviously would not be a good thing. So then they wanted to go mostly CGI because specifically he wanted the ears, I believe, to have the emotion and convey the emotions of the characters. But I I don't know. I think that didn't warrant having CGI. I don't know if the ears were necessary. I feel like they went too far then and it just looked creepy. So I always like to kick back to the old Jurassic Park movie where those dinosaurs looked absolutely phenomenal and there was no CGI done. It was all animatronics. And for something as simple as ear movement with emotions, that I think they could have done totally and just had their face being makeup and a little bit of fur. I hate to say it, but are we getting to a point in our cinematography where directors and that are getting lazy and just defaulting to CGI instead of, you know, really investing a little bit more into the makeup and costume and, and, and even animatronics. And I think it's, you know, an obvious note to make is that if you're a good actor or actress, you should be able to convey emotions without your ears moving. I, I, I don't understand why the ears are a critical piece of, of the movie. Like why that was the thing where, okay, we have to have CGI because the ears have to move. I mean, I guess like actual cats, like probably a lot of their emotion comes from their ears. I don't know. Oddly enough, we share a cat and that cat expresses emotion through its tails, which I would think that illegal would know. But well, but OK, hold on. I don't want to make it seem like I don't know anything about cats because I do. I just think that tails are a lot easier. I mean, I think you're probably right. That most of the emotion comes through the tail, but tails, you don't have to CGI either. Tails, you can probably come up with something that will flick around whenever you want it to. You hit a little button in your pocket. I don't know. All I know is the final result is very strange for this movie. So I'm going to read a, a few blurbs. Um, just these are reviews straight off Rotten Tomatoes. This one is my favorite one. It's really short. Pussy galore and quite the bore. Uh, I, um, on, on the same note, uh, this one says a surreal, disturbingly sexual and profoundly disquieting experience. I mean, I, I like it's hard to read a, a blurb like that and think, man, I got to see this movie. But like there's there's some kind of draw now of just you can't look away because of how bad it it seems to be. You have to wonder, too. So when they're putting together the final film and they're they're watching the final proofs and everything, wouldn't somebody take a step back and be like, guys, this is horrifying. We need to stop here. Yeah, they, 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 they had to know like there had to be one person sitting in that room that was like, this is terrifying. But they looked around and saw everybody else enjoying it was like. I guess I just don't know anything. I guess this is actually really good. Which, how many times in society does that happen? I feel like lots. Probably a lot. I mean, yeah, it's it's probably how we get most things like this, where they're like objectively just hard to look at, but they somehow make it into the public eye to begin with. Well, the other thing too, though, is you look at all the star, star power in this movie, and you have people like Taylor Swift promoting this, and arguably she was probably one of the most influential singer songwriters of the decade, just from everything that she has done in the central eye of music and you have people of of that caliber and judy dench and jason derulo who don't necessarily always dip their hands into movies so they're like far enough removed where they know if something looks like obviously bad you'd think they would be like hey i don't want to be attached to this horror show well what i have read is surprisingly it seems like a lot of people who are involved in movies never actually see the final product or choose not to watch the final product because i know at least james corden 
he has admitted he has not seen the film. So do you think that all along they were promoting it blind just so they can get a paycheck? Well, it's either so they can get a paycheck or so they can get some kind of awards recognition. So, so this movie... I guess was just removed from like, like universal was going to like really push this hard for like Oscars and like really try and get it nominated for a bunch of stuff. And now they've kind of backed off of that, realizing that it's just getting like the worst reception ever. And and to read a couple more of these, um, the problem with this film is that it shouldn't exist in the form that it does. And no single thing would have solved that. I could have said, I could have told you that from seeing the trailer. Uh, here's another good one. You thought we stopped at cat human hybrids. Oh no. Nightmares. A nightmare that does not end for two hours. And I've got to share one. And it says, look, what you need to know is that Cats doesn't like you. It doesn't want to impress you. It's got no need to please. And the biggest compliment I can give the movie is that it treats you with the same uncaring eye of your friend's mean ass cat who allows your presence in its home when you come over. You are a guest in this house. The movie shart. It says shards, but I'm not sure it meant to say shards. At you from the opening shot. Which shows an old-timey... All right, it goes on. But I do like the idea that this movie doesn't even really want you to want it and doesn't care if you enjoy it. So basically nail on the head with a cat personality in a movie. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, again, you can read all these reviews. Like, I saw another one that a guy said he was watching the movie and he expected the FBI to bust in and arrest everybody halfway through. Which, seeing the trailer, like, you have, like... I guess Taylor Swift is supposed to be, like, a sexy cat. And I guess, like... They're all like they're all like certain cats. Like like James Corden is like the funny cat, and Ian McKellen's like the British cat. Taylor Swift's the sexy cat. Jason Derulo's the bad boy cat. So like, there's all these like cat caricatures that are supposed. I've never seen the show, and I guess the show is probably pretty good. But if you're gonna make a movie about it, maybe nix the creepy CGI. That would have been the first place to start. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if we'll see this movie nominated for anything, but uh, time will tell. I do know Jason Derulo was very upset that he believed that they had photoshopped or taken out his bulge in the film and he wanted it in there. And honestly, I think that's fair because they definitely enhance the women cats um, bus. Yeah. If you can have creepy cat boobs, why can't you have male cat bulges? I mean, imagine being Jason Derulo, though, and because presumably he saw the final cut and that was his first complaint was... There's not enough of my bulge in this movie. Like, was he watching the rest of it? I, like, I, it is kind of an interesting point to think about is like, and we talked about how the actors may not have seen the final cut is like, when you're an actor and you're in a movie, do you care about seeing it? And if you do care about seeing it, do you only just care about the parts that you're in? Is like, I guess I don't really know, but it seems like Jason Derulo only cares about his cat bulge. He'll just take to Twitter and, and correct that issue with some selfies, I'm sure. I mean, he already had that scandalous photo that he posted on Instagram with a very, very apparent bulge. So maybe that's why he's upset because like it's out there in the world. So maybe he just wanted it immortalized in film. So Hayes is nodding and I'm confused. I don't tactic. Have you seen this this photo? I think I do. And I think the general public wasn't that impressed if I remember it. Shout out to, yeah, Hayes is nodding emphatically. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, no. Both Nerd Bomber and I are looking at each other like if you weren't impressed with that. Wow. Shout out to Jason Derulo. We hope you hope you're listening. Uh, <laughs> we might see cats, and we'll let you know about the the bulge status when we do see it. But yeah, I mean, cats is still out. It should still be out for a while. I don't know if it will be nominated for any Oscars. I think if they had gone the costume and makeup route, they might have gotten costume and makeup nominations. But now that they like, I don't think the CGI is going to get them any visual effects nominations. So at this point, I guess they're in it for like best song. 
I don't know. I've never seen the original musical. You guys haven't either, I don't think. Yeah, I definitely haven't seen the original musical. I've heard, I mean, it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? So mm-hmm. he usually has some pretty decent music pieces. So maybe they'll get a, a best song nomination or something out of it. But if they're pulling back all of their push for this movie to get any Oscar nomination, I feel like this one might just quietly go out into the night. And I have heard that Jennifer Hudson really nailed it and did a great job on her song. And But if anything, it made the movie even more strange because she was on a different field than everyone else. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll check back. I have a feeling Hayes and I are going to see this movie. I don't know when it is. Yes. It might be a Redbox thing. It might be an in-theaters thing. I, like, I'm not sure how long for this world this movie is, like how long it will even be in theaters. But um, I did get a gift card for the, the movies over the holidays. So maybe this is one that I will waste some of that gift card money on it's you know it's hard to want to go see a movie that has such bad reviews but at the same time you just you want to know how bad it is right i mean like i said if you go in it and you're expecting to laugh at this movie if you see it from the perspective that it's a comedy then maybe it is a really good movie yeah i mean that's that's certainly possible i think yeah it it, it is kind of tough to figure out where it is on that spectrum right because the trailer suggests to me that it would more it wouldn't be f- it wouldn't be uh, unsettling in a way that was funny. It would be unsettling in a way that was unsettling. So I guess we'll see <laughs> at some point. So, uh, Cats is is out. No, I guess we're going to go see. You know, it's terrible reviews. You decide for yourself. We are going to now shift into our discussion of uh, kind of the Star Wars block, which uh, really amounts to Rise of Skywalker, uh, which we've all seen and um the season finale of the mandalorian but we we can start with rise of skywalker and before we do uh this is your spoiler warning if you haven't seen it yet you can either skip forward a bunch to like what are you up to wednesday in the quiz or you can just put this on the back burner until you do see the movie but um i know i know nerd bomber tactics saw it today uh hayes and i saw it last week and uh i guess we can just go around the room first and and let's get uh an initial rating out of five stars i will start and say it could not have been a more up and down experience for me and i don't want to be a joiner i know it's gotten very middling reviews i think it has like a 55 or something on rotten tomatoes i would give it probably a two and a half if i'm feeling generous a three it just it could not have been more up and down for me it was like a sine wave i first want to preface by saying that i'm a casual viewer of star wars and I give it a 2.5. So Nerd Bomber and I made sure to watch some prequels before seeing this, just so we're caught caught up on the Star Wars lore. And I have to say, I'm going to kind of end at, I guess, an average of a 6. But the reason why is... Out of 5? A 6 out of 5? <laughs> out of 10. A 6 out of 5. Okay, um, so let's, well, let's translate that. 6 out of 10 would be... Because we both gave out of out of five reviews, so let's well, say three out of five then. Well, here's it's important because I, I don't believe out of five is there's enough individual denominations. You want more wiggle I, I, I want I want more flexibility. So for me, you guys can normalize it, whatever. I'm going out of ten, and I'm going to give it a six, but I'm going to give it a nine on the first three quarters of okay, it. Hold hold on. Wow. So now you're introducing subcategories. <laughs> this is supposed to be a very simple question. You're Just, giving it a nine on the first three quarters. Yes, a nine on the first three quarters. And then on the last 25%, a two. So it's going to average out to roughly a six. I have something to say to that, but uh, Nerd Bomber, first, let's get your opinion. Uh, I'm going to end somewhere on like a two or three, I guess a two and a half. Like it was entertaining enough, but there there was just a few things I didn't like about it. Like I didn't overall hate the movie. I liked the movie. I had a good time watching it, but there were a lot of details that I just nitpicked throughout the entire thing. So to, to Tectic's point, of the first nine, the first however long three quarters of the movie being a nine. I think the worst, the single worst stretch of the movie 
after the first and Hayes will remember this after the first 20 minutes of the movie which were terrible i turned to Hayes and said this is going to be a disaster the first 20 minutes there were like 15 scenes in 20 minutes there would be a scene where a character would have one line it would go to the next scene really quickly Ba ba ba, back and forth, back and forth. So much exposition, you couldn't handle it because it was J.J. Abrams basically trying to wipe out the the effects of eight and say, okay, this is where we actually are. And then after the first 20 minutes, it did normalize and, and get better because they were like, okay, now we can get started with the movie. But the first 20 minutes were so breathless to me, I couldn't even, it was hard to even focus on because it was just jumping back and forth to like 16 different people and everyone was doing different things. And I don't know. I after that there were certainly highs and there were lows which we can we can go through but um you thought the the back end was the worst part well i think it helps to have watched the last jedi right before seeing it because then it's just kind of not so much a fixed episode eight but more of a a recap and a summary of here's where everything ended off from where we left off and for that if you do it that way i think it makes those as you call them those first 20 minutes tolerable um but then the rest of it is just, it's action, it's, it's, it's everything you want it to be. There's conflict, there's growth, it, it's all there. That's why I liked it up until the end. Now, I don't want to say why just yet. I want to kind of hear Nerd Bomber's take. I personally didn't feel like they went back and retconned that many things. One of the things that I definitely, uh, I struggled with was just, there was just so much going on. I felt like I didn't really... So I, I guess I, I agree more with the legal here. I, it felt like you weren't connected to any character. There was just so much jumping around, so much exposition, so much action that I didn't feel as engaged with the characters. I felt like there wasn't a lot that much character growth with many of the characters. It felt like they definitely did kind of throw away the fact that the main trio got separated in the last movie and they just kind of threw them back together again without much explanation. It was just like, oh, hey, we're back as a gang. I don't know. I it was action-packed. You got a lot of fan servicey moments, but I also didn't like all of the ghost scenes. I was not a big fan of that. In regard to the action-packed moments, I'm not sure if it's just as a standalone I would have this opinion or in comparison with all the Marvel films that have been shoved down our throats recently. I felt like the lightsaber scenes or just the fighting scenes were in slow motion. I felt like the choreography of these scenes was not maybe not practiced enough where it seemed like it was in time it seemed very slowed down and i don't know just a disappointing view well so the the new trilogy is doing something very very difficult here and i i do want to try and give them a little bit of credit where the lightsaber scenes are definitely on the slow side but if you watch four five and six they are all trapped in molasses kind of swinging their sabers randomly it's they're what they're trying to do i think is strike a balance between those very old-fashioned 70s and 80s sword fight scenes which are even slower than the ones here and they're trying to blend those with the sword fights of one two and three which are comparatively beautifully choreographed and extremely intense like sword fighting and they have these crazy soundtracks back in them they're trying to blend get the best of both worlds and i think they did a decent job of that here i think my single favorite scene in the movie was the the lightsaber fight with uh, on the water planet. I don't know what it, it was. One of the moons of Endor, I guess, is where it would have been. Where the Death Star crashed. Yes, where the Death Star crashed. And I, I thought that whole scene um, where where Han Solo makes a reappearance, and now we are really getting into spoiler town, but you should have known that <laughs> going into this, uh, where Han Solo reappears and, and, and Ben gets stabbed. I think I wanted Ben to die, um, but I really liked the way that scene played out overall. Um, I do want to say, too, 
because uh, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of time crapping on the movie. Before I do that, visually, this movie was great. I think there was a lot of really, really great set pieces. I think there was a lot of good camera work. Um, it was a lot of fun to look at. And how, however you feel, whether you're a casual fan or whether you were looking for fan service, which you very clearly got, I thought it was a very nice movie to look at. So now that you've mentioned Ben Solo wanting to you wanting him to die, I'm going to mention why I didn't like the end of the movie. And again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Um, so ever since they first introduced him, they said, hey, this is Ben Solo. He's Han Solo and Leia's kid. Cool. He's got a lot of potential, but he's really conflicted and, and leaning towards the dark side. And then there's always this conflict brewing, conflict brewing. And you really, your whole time, he's just getting his, his tail handed to him. And he kind of just like looks like a goof compared to Ray and you're I for me at least I'm rooting for him the whole time to at least come out to the to the light and be a good guy and like be a leader and then finally in the very end he goes he uses um the the Jedi healing power which is on the good side of the the force which proves that he is finally not conflicted anymore and then dies so they build up all this growth you go yes he's finally good the guy I've been rooting for and then they kill him. So I want to talk about the healing power because you just brought that up. And we've seen at this point, it would be 10 Star Wars movies before this one. Never once, at least to my knowledge, has healing power been a thing. I know in the video games in the extended universe, it probably is a thing. But for not having been in any other movies, it was so gratuitously used in this movie. And I just I didn't like that from the start. And it was used like five or six times. And I was over it after the first time. So that like that just as a repeated mechanic kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, like, like I said, I wanted Ben to die when he got stabbed and then Ray healed him. And I was like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. So I just, I don't know. I think that was one of the, one of the pieces of the last scene that I think just didn't work. I do want to say if they still created those scary movie joking movies where they mock all the scary movies that came out that year or not another teen movie, that if they did one for Star Wars and this one, they would have Ray and Ben continuously killing and reviving each other. And I did turn to Illegal and say that during the scene because I was thinking maybe Ray, you know, they were just going to go back and forth on that. One of the things that I didn't like was the awkward kiss at the end where Ben Solo kisses Ray. Completely that just, needless. Yeah, it didn't need to happen. It felt super awkward and kind of uncomfortable. Like I understood that they had a bond the entire movie and actually the entire trilogy, which I also I, I still don't know how I feel about the whole lightsaber fights when they weren't even in the same room i i wasn't super sold on that i i'm a more casual star wars viewer also is that something that happened in the other movies because i don't remember i feel like that's new no so so the whole the whole thing here is and that was actually kind of an artifact of eight so eight they have these things where ray and kylo ren are kind of like talking to each other when they're not in the same room and they they because of their supposed bond they create like this force dyad kind of thing where their connections are really close and they can apparently be fighting in different rooms and then towards the end you see them actually pass a lightsaber through i don't know some kind of vortex and like so yeah they have this connection that again that's another element that until these last two movies had never really been a thing um i think in what happened in eight is they started they were like let's establish a romantic bond between these two characters and like let's like make kylo ren hot is like i think what someone decided at some point so like you see you've scenes where like kylo ren and ray inadvertently create this link and they're looking at each other and if kylo ren's like shirt is off and he's like sweaty and wearing those super high pants and you're like okay i guess so the kiss was supposed to be the payoff of that i think the kiss was just another 
version of fan service. There was so much fan service in this film that you were servicing so many different types of fans that the film almost didn't make sense because you're trying to please everyone who's viewing it. Yeah, because then after they kiss, then Ray goes off and she buries the lightsabers and then sees the ghost of Leia and Luke Skywalker and then takes the Skywalker name, which obviously is a giant spoiler if you haven't seen the movie. But you're basically then at that point, you've kissed your brother, cousin. Like, it's, it's just so bizarre to me. Well, but she... She's a, well, yeah, she's not, so she, another spoiler, she's not a Skywalker, she's actually a Palpatine, so there's really no relation. Right. Well, it's um, like he kissed his adopted sister. Yeah, that would, that's, you're right, that's a much, much more apt description of what happened. Either way, it's like, it's a messy thing that they just, they didn't really have to do. Like, as far as uh, filling in the background of Ray's heritage, which was like, obviously, one of the biggest questions coming into this movie. I think they did a decent job of that. You still don't really know who her parents were. You know that they were Palpatines, but it's not really discussed too much, like, why they were trying to hide her. Like, they were Palpatine's kids, but I guess they were good guys. You know, there's a lot of gray area there that maybe will be explored in future movies. I have no idea. But um, it was it was a lot. If there's one thing, if there's one way I could summarize this movie, I would say it was a lot of movie. And I also don't know if I agree with the fact that she needed to be related to Palpatine. I know we have different views on this one. But for me, I know in the in 8, when it was established that her parents were nobody, first of all, I kind of thought that wasn't, everyone was up in arms on that, but I kind of thought that that wasn't going to stick because, I mean, we know that Snoke was altering the link between Kylo Ren and Rey and basically providing right. visions and whatnot. So you knew that that necessarily wasn't the case. But at the same time, it almost would have been more impactful because the whole movie was basically trying to show that all you need is hope and anyone can be a hero as long as you have the hope and you like feel the light and the force. So in my opinion, I feel like I didn't need Ray to be related to anybody. I think it would have been nice for me if she was literally just somebody who managed to feel the force that is supposedly in everybody and channeled it for good. It certainly it would have been playing against against type to the rest of the movies because all Star Wars has ever been is someone is someone's father and blah blah blah. I think it would have been refreshing. I can understand why you'd feel that way. I think the reason they needed to relate her to somebody is because of just how how much raw power she seemed to have is why they probably came back to okay her father has to be somebody it might as well be Palpatine. With that said. I don't know. Maybe that was a discussion that took place somewhere. I don't know how much of the movie, how much of the plot of this movie was directors fighting over each other or like how much of it was, yeah, this was kind of the plan the entire time. It's it's impossible to say. We may never know. Speaking of Snoke, by the way, did you guys happen to catch that when... Yeah, they cloned... <laughs> they, he, there was pieces of, like, it looked like multiple versions of him in vats when they walked, when uh, Kylo Ren walked into that lair. Yeah, so... so th- the be- and then it's, and then again, that's kind of one of the scenes in the very beginning of the movie that like you see it for a split second and you might miss it. But I think one thing this movie did fairly well is they they really set up the Sith to be like this ultra menacing thing, and they're very all powerful. They've been controlling things from the start, and like Palpatine can never die because the Sith can quote unquote never die, and it's this whole you have this weird evil temple planet that no one can find. Like it's a little bit goofy and a little bit campy, but it was. I don't know. It made for a cool location for a final showdown. And I just, I kind of liked it. Um, I don't know who all those people in the hoods were. We probably will never know. They're all dead now. Those were all past Sith Lords that he was making appear, I believe. That's as good an explanation as any. Um, It's, it's only vaguely explained if at all. Um, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a way to summarize my experience with the movie. I 
as a fan, I love being serviced. Um, and I felt that I was for many, many parts of it. Um, I, my single favorite moment in the movie was, uh, when Luke lifted the, uh, X-Wing out of the water on wherever the planet he was strapped on is. I thought that was just a super cool moment. They use the same soundtrack from the Empire Strikes Back when Yoda does it. It was just a very cool moment, kind of a full circle moment. Um, my least favorite moment was probably the chewy death switcheroo because it was just, it was like, there was, there was five minutes worth of time where you thought he was dead and it was not nearly enough time for it to be impactful. And they were like, let's undo it. He's alive now. I didn't like that at all. And they even explained it away with, oh, he must've been on another transport. Exactly. There was one transport was in the desert. One. Where did, the, where was this other one? Yeah. Right up there with the, um, the princess Leia space whooshing moment from the last Jedi, which I absolutely hate. And I think they tried to explain that a little bit better in this movie by saying that she was a full Jedi when in fact, that's really never been the case. She's always been this like force sensitive person who never had her training but they kind of retconned that in this movie to show that like luke trained her and she was a full jedi and apparently was a master who could train ray and etc etc by the way amazing what they did with with leia with i mean carrie fisher's obviously passed away but they had her in the movie and it like was pretty well done yeah, I was just going to say, I think what they did and how they CGI'd her character, I thought that was very tactful. I thought it was very respectful of the actor. And overall, I couldn't have been happier with how they did that. I feel like they only involved her in as much as they needed to in the movie. Like they didn't have it overly Leia heavy, which would have required a lot of CGI work. So I feel like the moments that they had her involved in the movie were very impactful, but small. And they did it in a very respectful way. The other thing was the it almost seemed like they were actually saying goodbye when she passed in the movie, which which I thought was really, really well done. Sorry. Uh, we were, were over here looking up. Hayes wanted to know who her favorite character was, um, and she couldn't spell it. She kept trying to spell Babu Frick in Google, and uh, Babu Frick is the best character in this movie. Can I, I just say I was just that? going to say that my favorite part of the movie was Babu Frick, and my least favorite part was any time that Babu Frick was not on the screen. <laughs> I mean, cutest character, without a doubt. Blows the porgs out of the water. I mean... I don't know, like that. There, that he was part of, like this whole kind of weird subplot where like C three PO couldn't speak the Sith language, and then like his memory got wiped. There was just so much that happened in this movie. Like as we talk more and more about this, we're talking about so many different things. People who are listening who haven't seen it, which I'm not sure why you would do that, but they might think that we're making a lot of this up because it sounds like we might be. <laughs> Babu Frick was actually CP C three PO's longest known friend. Yeah, right. Because yeah, C3PO's memory was wiped and then he came back and well, R2D2 like re-upped his memory, right? Like at later in the movie. So I don't know. I mean, there was, I thought that was just like kind of an opportunity for weird C3PO comedy. A lot of the comedy in this movie was C3PO driven. So if you like that, you love this. I was also a little bit confused. I feel like there were a lot of characters who were introduced in this movie and then never got used. And for one, so Rose was introduced actually in The Last Jedi. And I felt like I almost felt bad for her because at one point she goes in to like say goodbye to Finn and he just like tap like pats her on the shoulder and they were supposed to have this such impactful moment at the end of The Last Jedi. And then it's just like, oh, okay, buddy, you've been friend zoned. Well, she even kissed him and he goes, yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, th- th- that was definitely a J.J. Abrams, like, I'm undoing this moment was like, he was like, I, I, it was almost like he was like, well, Rose has to be in this now, but like, I never wanted the character of Rose to exist. So I'm like, going to feature her barely at all, as little as I can, essentially. And then there was that little droid who was uh, like a cone almost. What yeah. was his point? 
his point was to jog the memory of Ray and be like, Ray, remember, remember me? I was on this ship where your parents were, and I, I that was really its only contribution to the movie. Another cute little droid, I guess, would be another thing, and like um, a merchandise seller. Well, they also tried using him to map out the coordinates to the Sith planet. Right, that too. But that was unnecessary the second that Ray transmitted the coordinates to the Sith planet. Right, and she's like going through all that red stuff, and yeah, this movie had a lot. I mean, I I think like at one point I read that it it is more for Force Awakens fans than it is for Last Jedi fans. I think I would generally agree with that because I liked Force Awakens a lot. I think Force Awakens is the best movie in the new trilogy. I think this is probably my second favorite and I just I did not care for Last Jedi at all. Last Jedi was super different, so it might be for you. I believe it's for Nerd Bomber. I think she said that's her favorite one. Yeah, I liked The Last Jedi, but I think that's again because I was a more casual Star Wars watcher up until this point. And watching The Last Jedi, we literally watched it last night again to make sure that we were up to date before we went to see the movie today. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just because you got more individual time with characters and there was a lot more character growth than necessarily action in The Last Jedi, I would say. I think I just, that was one of the first moments, like I've always liked Star Wars, but I actually was like, oh, wow, I can understand what the hype is about for everybody. Like, I get it. These characters are really someone that I can like relate to kind of, not really, I'm not a Jedi, obviously, but like you could just follow their adventure a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, I, I, so I think my favorite character in the new trilogy is Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. Like, I think he was, he was the only one, I guess they kind of tried to develop Ray. I think Finn was the most nothing character ever. I have never felt a single connection to Finn throughout the entire thing. He's mostly just chasing Ray around yelling her name. That's pretty much his contribution to the movies. Uh, I thought Poe was okay. I thought Kylo Ren was great. I thought Ray was great. I wish we would have seen more of the Knights of Ren. And they showed up here again, but by the time they showed up, they could only really do so much. I don't know. Like, yeah, as I talk more about this, two and a half stars is still exactly where I'm sitting. Um, I was trying to figure this out. Were the Knights of Ren the students that he took with him when he left Skywalker? I believe so. They don't use lightsabers, though. I mean, it's, that, that's what I was trying to figure yeah. out they're they're they, they're just like his cronies i guess i they're menacing they're perfectly menacing they all look like kylo ren to an extent and like they look like bad guys and like it, they're a very classic bad guy team but you know their biggest moment was when they get beat very badly in the last like 15 minutes by ben solo and then he goes to find ray um i wish they had been involved more than they were but at least they were involved to an extent uh, before we move on, I do want to talk about one moment. Again, there's another moment in this movie that I'm forgetting that was like, I think the one of the worst moments in the movie was the Omni-Spy moment when General Hux reveals himself to be the spy in like the corniest way possible. Um, General Hux is another character that I think could have been a lot better than he was. Um, loved the way he died, though. I will say that much. Great death. Uh, I just thought the spy scene was extremely, extremely goofy. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much. Do you guys have any other closing thoughts about Rise of Skywalker? Like I said, the, the main thing that I wanted to see, as I just mentioned before, was what happened to those other students that Kylo Ren took with him. And were they, I want I, I want more, I have more an- questions than I do answers. This was supposed to give me answers to That's everything. That's J.J. Abrams for you. And now. I'm just going, what happened to it? Because they said it's the last Jedi, that it's just Rey now. But there were other students. Did they all just kaput? We don't know. I mean, yeah, if you've ever watched Lost, you know that J.J. Abrams isn't really one for giving a whole lot of answers to his questions. He usually he usually poses two questions for every answer that he gives. And I think that's another reason why I think I like The Last Jedi is because they at least attempted to give some answers. I know they weren't the answers that a lot of people wanted, 
but they at least like we got some origin story in that movie whereas i feel like this one was just more questions and like palpatine reappears but you don't really know how or why i mean besides just dark force magic stuff yeah and that's that's totally fair um one more thing i want to say i just realized is that if you want to know what me and Hayes' dog looks like just look up a picture of babu frick that's basically what he looks like just an old little man he's not that old i guess but an old little man who says i am babu frick we're changing our dog's name to babu frick it's not babu frick yeah rise of skywalker it's out right now um i like go see it like i if you want to be part of like the cultural zeitgeist and like it's a huge cultural touchstone supposedly the end of an era i still don't believe that but uh go check it out and um we're gonna take a short break now uh to hear from some of our friends and then we'll come back to talk about the mandalorian hello everyone this is cm alexander from dairy public radio tune in wherever you listen to podcasts and join Josh, Ben, and I as we dissect the works of Stephen King in a book club-style format. Whether your experience with King is comfortably familiar or frighteningly fanatic, Dairy Public Radio is here to keep you up to date with all that's happening in Dairy, Maine, and beyond. Okay, we're back. Um, before we proceed with the discussion of the Mandalorian season finale, uh, I would be remiss if I did not shout out our wonderful Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. Uh, as most of you who are listening probably know, Ben has been supporting us for a number of months now, and we super appreciate that. He supports us uh, at our highest tier of support, which is the night level tier, uh, which gives him access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, and also gives him um, producer input into our game segment every week and uh, a shout out like the one you're getting now and also the occasional guest spot um, so um, that's the our top level of support our second level is the squire level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and then we also have a page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment so uh, if you would like to support us and what we do we would really appreciate that we can use all the support we can get um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the deets thanks again to ben uh let's talk about baby yoda because at this point we shouldn't even say let's talk about the mandalorian we should probably just say let's talk about baby yoda the adventures of baby yoda they should change the title especially now and again spoiler city is coming in your direction uh the way this season of the show ends it's slowly turning into just baby yoda and nothing else i mean at one point i thought they were going to kill the mandalorian (laughs) and they were just going to have it be the baby yoda show like it's because at one point the Mandalorian almost dies. There's again a lot to unpack here. You see the Mandalorian without his helmet. You learn his true name. Uh, you, I guess, learn more about Moff Gideon, although not really that much. He just turns into like the main bad guy of the show that I'm sure we'll see many more times. Um, let's start at the start though and talk about these guys punching Baby Yoda. I mean, what what the hell? So I first and foremost have been loving all of the moments with stormtroopers in this show. It's been. I mean, when they're sitting there, before even the punching starts, they're sitting there shooting at a can that's like five feet away from them and not and missing every time. So it's just, it's a wink towards their lack of accuracy. The commentary is absolutely hilarious. Um, the punching I could have gone without, but I mean, I was really hoping for baby Yoda to just come out after getting punched in the sack a couple of times and just opening up a can of whoop ass. To be fair, they weren't punching him in that sack. They were punching him. He was literally like in a physical sack. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I did. I definitely loved the shooting the breeze. I thought that was like shooting the can was a good joke, but also just them like we've never because we've never seen stormtroopers are in every Star Wars thing ever. And we've never seen them just sitting there shooting the breeze and being like, so like, what, what do we even have here? What are we even holding? And they're like, oh, maybe Moff Gideon's lunch. Like they have no idea what they have and they're just there with it. So, you know, I still hate them because they killed the best character in the show. But um that was kind of a fun little thing right at the beginning and it was also a very taika ytt thing and he's he directed this episode so they reminded me of a little bit of red versus blue if you guys remember that from rooster teeth never seen it but i i'm i'm aware it's the halo one right yeah yeah i've never seen it but um i could definitely imagine that being a very similar vibe because they're clearly going for comedy there at the very beginning but then we get very serious very quickly um ig11 man mvp I will say IG-11 might rival Kill as the best character so far in this season, in my opinion. I think he was super comedic when he made the first appearance, what was that, the very first episode? Yeah. And then to be completely reprogrammed, he just turned into this badass droid when he came riding on man what is what, speeder the bike. speeder bike yeah. with baby yoda strapped to his chest and just gunning people down that was probably one of the best scenes so far in the show in my opinion especially when you see baby yoda's ears flapping in the wind and just like having that giant smile on his face i shed a single tear when he sacrificed himself for baby yoda and the crew yeah I mean, there was a lot of great and and also ig11 is voiced by taika ytt so he kind of like wrote himself into a lot of this episode as like a critical character but like my only complaint about ig11 is that he's a little overpowered i mean that that scene with him flying through the town just shooting every it's like just do that like don't have anything else just have him zooming around town shooting the the stormtrooper because then he like he dumps the bike and then starts shooting at all of them and it like gets crazy from there but he was a great great character one of many on this show that seems it seems like we're starting to get some deaths which is unfortunate but um i'll be curious to see if cara dune and grief carter come back um yeah i don't know uh hey is any highlights from here from you baby yoda so i i actually have a i thought the the way they wrapped up the season was phenomenal they, they left you with enough cliffhangers to make you wonder where it's going but they also wrapped up some story arcs which was really really good the one thing that I found very disappointing was when they showed his face for the first time. So I don't know if many people have done this, but I made a, a purpose to not look up who the actor is because I oh. wanted it to be a shock when, when I saw it. And um, when they revealed his face, I think it, it was partly the, the angle at which he was sitting but he did not look tough. Like I, I, I quickly researched. Well, he was dying. Well, I... <laughs> I quickly researched the article and I said, you know, he's a distinguished looking man. He, he fits the character perfectly. But he was sitting at, at, at an angle where it's basically the view that you look like when you turn on the selfie by accident yes. on your camera yes. where you have that double chin thing. Yes. And they could have picked so much more, I guess, distinguished ways for him to be on his deathbed to show his face because I was just like, he looks like a little fat frumpy guy the way he was sitting. And it bothered me so much. I do regret that I knew who he was. I believe I asked Illegal, and probably in the first episode, who it was, because I didn't realize he wasn't going to show his face for the entire season. So that is something to look forward to. I don't know why you'd be listening at this point to this, but if you're just now starting the show, don't look into it. Have it be a surprise. Do you guys think that it was 
too early for him to show his face in the show. Like we're only at the end of season one. I'm, it obviously was already renewed for season two, but I'm presuming this show will probably go on for at least three or four seasons, if not more, because it's like the flagship of Disney Plus. Do you think it was too early to see his face? I don't. I'm back and forth on that because, so I. I want to say the answer is yes, it was too early. But at the same time, there were a couple episodes where they teased his face. They teased the reveal before this and made you want it. So I don't know. I'm back and forth. I think they did it fine because still technically no living creature has seen his face since he was a child. So and the one thing that did see his face took it to the grave. So from a story arc development side, I think it basically wipes that whole moment away. I think it's fair to wait until now because we want instant gratification these days. And if you, if you know if you're watching the show and you hadn't already looked up who was playing it, you were going to by by the end of the season. That's very true. Um, I will say one of the things that I was super stoked about from a story development standpoint is one of the things that I knew about the Mandalorians just from reading some of the backstory about them is that they often just adopt children so when they find someone like a child who seems worthy of the way foundling yes yeah. they'll they'll just adopt them and so for the longest time I, I kind of thought that the mandalorian had already adopted baby yoda kind of mentally when he helped with the horned beast i don't remember what those things are called mudhorn thank you mudhorn um so i thought from like that point on he kind of assumed that baby yoda was his child and that he would raise him in the way of the mandalorian and so to have that become kind of official in this episode was really something that I was looking forward to. And so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward. I know eventually they'll probably end up reuniting him with other Yodas. I don't even know what the species is called. It's, the, it's unknown at this yeah. point. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll probably see some conflict later on of like whether he wants to give up baby Yoda or keep him on as his son. But I can't imagine, like I'm just looking forward to seeing like baby Yoda and little Mandalorian armor and stuff. Well, I mean, yeah. If, yeah first of all, <laughs> cute explosion. Like powerful image. But like, the thing is the thing that kind of boggles my mind is imagine a force sensitive mandalorian like that's just super overpowered right like it's, it would dominate the galaxy essentially and remember don't forget how tall yoda gets when he's as old as he can possibly get not it's, much taller. it's always going to look like a kid in armor period yeah. which yeah maximum cuteness potential um i really loved so there were a couple of things I loved, but the the main thing, I think the best scene in the finale, maybe the best scene in the show so far was when I, the armorer, I think is that, I don't think she has a name. I think it's just the armorer uh, says like, go like, I'm going to deal with all these pieces of armor sitting here. And like, I'm going to clean up the covert. And so everyone leaves and then the stormtroopers come in and she just goes completely ham sandwich and like kills all of them. Cause I didn't want her to die. She's a super cool character. I hope, I very much hope we see her again. Um, I thought that was the best scene because it was just super, it was a super cool combat. She was smashing helmets and like doing all kinds of stuff. I, I, I agree that they gave her her time to shine. I, and I'm glad they did that. That was being awesome. Um, because up until that point, all you saw her as, yep, th th we have a woman Mandalorian and she's only good for making armor. <laughs> right. It, that's what it appeared like. So it seemed like they almost had a, a sexist society where, the women Mandalorian, they make the armor and the men do the fighting. This was the first time that you saw one actually kick butt and yeah, not and, just fight, like dominate. And 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 thank you very much, Disney Plus, I guess the Disney Plus gods for for making that happen and, and, and showing that there is a strong female character in the Mandalorian culture. When one of the other big payoffs we got was I think they called it the Rising Phoenix. He finally gets a jetpack. Um, which 
him flying up and like grabbing onto the tie fighter i thought was a little bit on the campy side but just the fact that he has a jetpack now is going to open up a lot of possibilities for the show in general um so i think what we're going to see next season is a, a clean slate where cara dune probably won't come back grief cargo doesn't seem like will come back he might come back in a limited role but it's going to settle back more into that kind of firefly-ish uh routine where mandalorian goes to a planet he searches for yoda's uh species baby yoda species he doesn't find it he goes to another one he might maybe does some bounty stuff along the way it it's setting it up to be a very well serialized show which i love so two things first you said that the grappling hook was very campy i think that it needed to happen that way simply because when the jetpack was given to him they said that you won't be able to fly it well until you the jetpack knows you which means he had to use alternative ways to fly it accurately like the grappling hook because he didn't really have good control of it he couldn't chase the ship that's a good point so i like the way they did it it showed that there's still work with him to learning that new piece of equipment that that it wasn't just oh he's got it now he's an expert so i thought that was done really really well and then the second thing that i want to comment on is what you called the firefly i i like to call it a side questy type um show and i think what they're going to do in season two is basically what they did with season one where the first three episodes were amazing there was a good plot to it then the next couple of episodes were quote side quest that you sat there going well what does this have to do with anything and then in the end it all comes together right And then they had a a kick-ass team that each team member was from an individual sidecast. Yeah, the sidequests are, yeah, the mechanic for building the team is really what they're for. And I think, yeah, it worked very well, I thought. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think you're right that that's what they're going to do. I think it's not changing the way they did it in the original season. I think it's just going to be rinse and repeat and keep going. And probably get some pretty great guest stars. Because, I mean, you know, we had Nick Nolte, Taika Waititi, um... Gina Carano, uh, you were you were in it. You were in the show. I'd, I'd hope to be. I'm, if you guys are listening, I'm I'm looking for for being looking maybe, for maybe a Jedi would be cool. Well, the Jedi are gone, right? Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I guess we'll have to see. Um, any closing thought? I know what Hayes' closing thought would be. It would just be Baby Yoda because that's the main draw to the show for her. But Nerd Bomber, any any more things to say? Honestly, I'll just second that. More Baby Yoda. I, I do have another thing to say, though, of course, Baby Yoda is number one, is that you can watch this show as someone who hasn't seen all of the Star Wars. I've been trying to convince other people who are not Star Wars people to watch it because it is very Firefly-like. If you don't know what either of those are, then good luck to you, but otherwise. Yeah, that is a really good point because I I saw the original trilogy a very long time ago. And then I was pretty young when the prequel trilogy came out. And I just started getting back into Star Wars the last few years with this new trilogy. So I don't have the intense Star Wars lore that most people have. And not knowing planets and not knowing species and stuff, I was super engaged in The Mandalorian the entire time through. So yeah, you don't need anything, any previous knowledge to really get into and enjoy the show. Yeah, the, the first few episodes specifically, I think, struck a really, really great balance between... Um, limited backstory needed and a great amount of fan service to like keep keep the diehard fans like myself uh very wired in so yeah so far mandalorian is doing a great job i can't wait for season two my one thing that i would want from it that it didn't already give us is i want more i will say i want like eight episodes is not very long the episodes themselves were fairly short 
it's a super high budget show. They should now be able to expand on what they've done. Do you think season two will give us finally a species name? That would be big. I I, I would guess that we're going to find other Yoda. I mean, man, if we find more baby Yodas, like forget about it. The, the world will explode. I think we might find another... It's tough because I'm I'm describing it now as saying we're going to find more Yodas, which is not accurate. It's going to be like Cabbage Patch Kids where they're all just in a garden. Like, well, I'm, I'm wondering. It could be. I'm wondering, like, I think we might find the, the, the colony of these things and, you know, Mando might ask one of them, like, what are you guys called? And he'll be like, we have no name. Or like something, something weird to like kind of just punt on the whole thing. No names we have. Yes. <laughs> Consider this. Yes, Yoda and this, what we call baby Yoda, are green. What if they come in all different colors? Sign me up for a yellow baby Yoda, please. Oh, I'd go, well, blue is already taken by Smurfs. I would purple. I think purple. Like Macy Windu's lightsaber. Yeah, it it should be like lightsabers. Like they all come in different colors. Or they're comparable to like the Hulk where the main one is green, but then there's like these offshoots like Red Hulk and... right. We should we should move on. But last question for all of you: Do you th- what do you think the chances are that Baby Yoda is actually like what if Yoda like, like what if it's actually Yoda's son? It's possible, right? Like, if you think Yoda's Baby Yoda is actually related to Yoda? Well, cloning's been ruled out, so it's either he's related or it's just a total. It's just part of the species, and I don't think it's related simply because the Jedi doesn't really work with the timeline and mingling so i like to think that it's like a little bit of life force of old yoda got reinvigorated and it's reborn as baby yoda i don't know i just love baby yoda there you have it we don't know and we love baby yoda um okay so now we're going to move on to uh what is called the what are you up to wednesday section of the show where we all talk about what we what we've been up to and um it's been a while for some of us so uh let's kick it over to tactic to start things off so for christmas i was very excited i I got um a cop my own very copy of luigi's mansion 3 and it is fantastic and let me uh paint a picture for you it is a family-friendly game and I don't have a family, and it is friendly for me. Excuse I, you, you have a family. You have a dog. Okay, fine. I have a fur baby, and that's about it, and I am loving it. The first, I don't know, probably half hour of the game is 100% solo, because you have to keep going until you get the goo gun. But once you get the goo gun, you could start playing with friends. And Nerd Bomber and I have been playing through all of the puzzles and absolutely loving the game. There's... There's some comedy pieces in there. There's, there's, um, you have to find different booze. You have to find different gems. So it helps to not just do the story, to do kind of everything and just complete the game. And it's fantastic. It's just this, I hate to say mind numbing, but it, but it really is. It's, it's just, you kind of throw yourself into the story and forget about life and being productive and all the other good stuff and just have a good time. Yeah, I I will agree. I'll concur. It was a super fun game. We're still, I think we're about halfway through it because you basically go through and you're staying in a hotel and you have to get all the elevator buttons and you work your way up the elevator floors. So right now we're on elevator level seven and I think it goes up to like 14 or 15. So we're like halfway through. But it has been just a really fun game, and it's it's my first Mario game in a very long time. I've never really been a big Mario fan, and so I wasn't sure that I would like this game, but it's been super fun. Um, 
me personally, other than playing Luigi's Mansion 3 with you, um, I have been watching a lot. So two major things that I want to touch on that I've watched is one is the marriage story. So this one has Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. And I think it was nominated for an Oscar or something. It's been nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes. I think it might be leading the nominations in Golden Globes. Right. And it's streaming right now on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix original. And honestly, it's basically watching the dissolution of a marriage. And it It doesn't doesn't, appeal to me. It doesn't sound like it should be (laughs) something entertaining to watch. But the acting is just so well done. I mean, we know Adam Driver is now capable of doing anything on the emotional scale, whether he's dark and brooding in Star Wars or from Girls, he was able to touch on more comedy and dark acting. And The Marriage Story is just a really compelling story. It's not uplifting in any capacity. It's really emotionally draining, actually, to watch this movie. But I would definitely recommend it. It's a it's a tour de force, I think. Watching both Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver just act their asses off. It's just a really good movie. And the other thing that we've been watching is Modern Love. And that's an Amazon Prime original, actually. And it's kind of like The Mandalorian in that it's directed by different people. And each episode is kind of a standalone story. Um, it's basically, it's based off the, I think it's a New York Times column called Modern Love. And they're just self-insulated stories of different types of love. And one of the first episodes that we watched, and that was really actually what drew me into the rest of the series, was actually about the relationship and the love. And it's not traditional like romantic love, but the love between this single mother and her doorman in her apartment building who basically watches her mature and then grow up and raise her daughter. And how the two of them just have formed this remarkable love and bond because she didn't have anybody in the city to look after her so her doorman kind of steps in as like a father figure for her and all of the episodes just kind of look at a different type of love between two people and it's not necessarily traditional love that most people would think about but overall it's just like quick 30 minute snippets of stories that you kind of walk away with this like nice little feel-good ending I don't know it's it's really I think a good series a lot of well-known actors are in it um, I think Tina Fey is in an episode. Oh, there's a bunch of people in it. It's it's very star-studded. I would definitely recommend it. I've also been watching a lot of things, and all of them revolve around baking, which I do not do. I have watched The Holiday Baking Show, which is an American show. I've watched The British, The Great British Bake Off Holiday. I've watched Nailed It. I've watched Sugar Rush Holiday. Yes, these are all shows based on the same thing. They are competitive baking shows where they bake holiday foods. And it's great. You can watch professional bakers bake great things, home bakers bake great things, and people who should never bake again bake things that should have never been baked. It's been great. And I've been eating a lot of baked goods as well. Yeah, these shows are... So I've been watching a lot of these shows with with Hayes. And it's amazing as a non-baker to like be watching one of these shows and someone being like i'm gonna add this thing to this thing i turned to haze and i'm like i literally don't even know what that is like it happens so often even on the ones that aren't like the most professional ones there are ingredients that i've literally never heard of that could be in a lot of things that i just don't know about um but yeah those baking shows are great we've been going on chop champions for a while which i think i've mentioned on a, at least one past episode um maybe one day we'll actually learn how to do it ourselves but for now the jury's out so you watch it, don't cook anything from it, and just sit there hungry? Um, we snack during it sometimes. Okay, good, because yeah. I think it would and be some of these, some of these you are not hungry watching. They are oh, yeah. disasters. Well, and like Chopped, too, they're like, 
it, for those that don't know how chopped works, it's like you get a basket full of random ingredients essentially, and like you have to make an entree out of it. So they're like, you have dog food, toothpaste, and packing peanuts. Make a uh, five star meal, and you're like, how are they gonna do this? And then they do it. That's the craziest part. They do it, but it's it's something. Um, so yeah, we've been watching some of those cooking shows. What I will add is that we also recently took a trip to wine country because uh, we are both wine drinkers and. Uh, it was a lot of wine is <laughs> really the main takeaway from that. Uh, we've just been, you know, enjoying the holidays, doing a lot of heavy drinking, heavy eating. Um, so, uh, we're going to be swinging into the new year, um, heading to the gym with 90% of the population, I think. Um, and we're swinging into the new year with a new season of the fantasy movie league, uh, which we have to summarize what happened at the end of the last season. So, uh, first of all, I will say, uh, as I just mentioned, a new season of Fantasy Movie League is starting. For those that don't know, um, this is where we essentially pick a box office, uh, pick movies for our Cineplex every week, given a budget, and whichever movies uh, gross the most, um, your Cineplex wins, basically. It's a lot of fun. Um, we've been doing it now for, I think, four, this was our fourth season or maybe our third season, so we'll be continuing on. But um, this most recent season ended last weekend, and congratulations to Hipster Pop Geek, who took home the top prize for this season with $810 million total. Uh, Mecha Yoda coming in second with 743.5. Hecate's Tech in third with 724. Tactic, our very own Tactic, in fourth with 720. Uh, Florida Hawk with 711. Uh, ben Checkness, our good friend Ben, barely got edged out, also with 711. It was very close there, within um, basically $60,000 or so. Nerd Bomber with 709, Devin Reed with 706, and then we have quite a drop off with Spitfire at 584, and I managed to crack the top 10 with 448, but just barely. So if you want to join us for uh, our next season, this is the best time to start because you won't fall behind in the overalls if you start right at the beginning. Uh, you can head on over to fantasymovieleague.com and look up the Online Warriors Podcast League, and uh, the password to get into that league, which is private, is podcast all lowercase. So we'd love to have you. Um, to wrap up today and bring us into the new year completely, we have Nerd Bomber hosting a New Year's themed game. All right. So this week I wanted to do something a little bit different. I went on familyfeudquestions.com and I found a bunch of family feud categories based around New Year's and New Year's resolutions. So what I'm going to do is you each get an opportunity to um, pick one thing out of the category. And obviously all of these questions are asked out of a panel of 100 people. So based on the answers that you give, you'll get a score out of 100. And then overall, like five categories I'll do. Then whoever has the highest score at the end will win. All right. This is going to involve a lot of arithmetic. So do we have our, our calculator ready anywhere? Uh, we Put will on. have a calculator ready and I am writing down all of your points. Oh, perfect. 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 Okay. Uh, I plan on winning as usual. Tactic will have to make sure that he does not peek at my screen while I do this. So the first one is... He's, look, he's looking already. I can literally see him looking already. Okay. Why Tactic, would you do that, dude? Eyes. He's looking right at there. Name something you would buy a lot of when hosting a New Year's party. Who goes first? How about you, Illegal? Something you'd buy a lot of when hosting a New Year's party. Uh, I'm going to take what I think is the top answer and say champagne. All right. So drinks is really the overarching category here. So I'll give that to you. And it's 54 points. So I was going to say cheese, but should I be more specific and say food? Yeah, food is the overarching category here. And that was specific was 27 points. Um, well, I guess if you guys took the most obvious things, which seems unfair that I'm going third, 
Um, I'm going to say those party hats, like those, you know, the glasses with the... Dude, you should have said the poppers. 2001. It's definitely no, the poppers. the dated glasses is more important. Okay, so that is actually not one of the five answers for this category. So Technic gets zero points. But are, the, we'll, are, the, are the poppers there? Uh, Noisemakers are on yeah. this list with three points. But drinks was the number one answer and food was the second highest answer. So right now, Illegal is currently winning. And what we'll do then is we'll move down. So then Hayes will start next and then Tectic will start the next category. Wait, after. so what is what are the other two ones? Uh, the other two were decorations and utensils. Those 2001 glasses are totally decorations. Uh, I feel Base like... decorations? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's more like a, a article of clothing almost. I don't know. We'll think about it. You'll get them next time, Tectic. Okay, so the next one is name a culture or religion that celebrates a different new year than the West. Chinese. Okay, that is the number, the number one, one. answer yeah. for 54 points. Again, taking the obvious ones. That's, <laughs> that's great. Is that not the game? Um, I, I don't know. Japanese? <laughs> boy, boy, you missed a big one. Okay, Japan is on this list, but that only has five points. I'm going to say, uh, this is embarrassing. I think it's Jewish, but I'm not positive. Ramadan. Okay, you are right. Jewish is the second highest with 26 points. Boom, baby. Tactic, so right you're, now, tactic, you're blowing it. <laughs> Hayes is actually in first place, edging you out by one point, illegal. Unfair, unfair. And then Tactic is trailing quite a far bit behind. Okay. How about this one? Name one thing people wear on New Year's. And Tactic, we'll throw this over to you. <laughs> I'm afraid to say it, but I'm going to say the 2000 glasses. The glasses are not on this list. Oh, no, no. <laughs> this list is incorrect. Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, see, I'm going to simplify because I think that's what the question is. Like, I'm just going to say like a cocktail dress or something. Cocktail dress. Okay. So a dress is the second highest thing on this list okay. with 10 points. I'm going to go with a tie. And a tie is not on this list. <gasps> oh, yeah. So the top answer was actually hats with 74 points. Oh, man. And other things on the list were tucks, new clothes, tiara, and jewelry. So you said party hat before and you you didn't go back to it? Technic? I figured it was all part of the ensemble. I was considering beads, but then I was like, that's like a New Orleans kind of thing. Yeah, that's more Marty, Marty Gras. So, okay, so I'm, I'm quite a ways ahead now, right? Like nine points or so? Yes, you have nine points. <laughs> all right, so we'll go to the next one. Name a popular New Year's resolution. Do I start again? Or, well, I'm going to let no, Tactic start no, again because no. he's complaining. You get the most easy ones. <laughs> okay. and, oh, let's give it to Illegal. Why I'm don't say you lose weight? I'm, I'm taking this. this okay. Is you go, go ahead. All right. So lose weight is the top one with 51 points. Um, so we'll actually swing it back the next way and Hayes will go up next. Go for it. Does working out, is that under lose weight? Do I need a different one? Uh, that is actually on the list as exercise with nine points. This is garbage. Um, okay, I think I know. I'm going to say read more, just like reading. So that is not on here. Oh, good. Um, the second one is quit smoking with 20 points. That's just a resolution for all the time. That's just like be a healthy person. Is that not losing weight and exercising as well? She you, only, up a good point. you only have to do that once a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, other ones were do better in school, quit drinking, and be a better person. That's okay. Some of those resolutions are dumb i was going to say quit drinking because everyone wants to do that after a new year's eve party fair okay. enough so now for our final category 
Name a New Year's TV host. Oh, I mean, can I take this one? I feel like it's my turn. I don't know. Why, some, why, hey, why don't you go first? Steve Harvey. What? No, that's wrong. That's wrong. Okay, that's I, fine. I wanted to say him, though. Is he actually one? Is it on there? He is not on here. So he's that a, is a big be. zero. He would say the wrong year. He's he's a family feud host, isn't he? Yeah. And beauty pageants. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess tactic. Why don't you go next? Because you look like you're ready. No, you go next. Okay. I'm gonna say Dick Clark. It depends on when this. Wait, came hang out, on. Is it, it past, present, and future? I would assume so. Yeah. It just says name a New Year's Eve. Dick TV Clark host. has to be number one. Dick Clark is number one with 76 points. Yeah. Well, I guess ryan seacrest then can i come back in he is on this list for four points as a guest can i have a second chance yeah you can have a second chance kathy griffin also not on this list i would like to leave this podcast (laughs) we were carson daly carson daly we're looking for carson daly regis philbin jay leno or casey Kasem. kathy kathy griffin (laughs) kathy griffin and andy cohen no a different the political guy Oh, um, Anderson Cooper. Yeah, they have done many a New Year's Eve. Apparently not memorably. <laughs> Guess not. So that leaves us with one winner who is illegal oh, and will yeah. be your host next week. It's he about, actually blew everyone out of the water. It's about time. It's been, Can we all agree whenever he started it, it was literally the easiest, most obvious answer? Look, I don't, I don't care. I won. Agreed that it was, it was a given to him. I'll, I'll take it. I will, t- I will absolutely take it. Whether it was given to me or not, I'm the winner. So next week you will have a quiz from me, which hopefully will go better than my fonts quiz because that was terrible. Um, in any case, uh, we thank you all for joining us once again. We thank Hayes for joining us in the guest spot. Hopefully she enjoyed herself. And um, we again wish you all a happy new year and we'll talk at you next week. Bye. Goodbye.